0: Phil Mackey. Clapping backs and shaking hands and kissing babies. You'd see some smiles. You do see some brightness in his eyes.
2: Judd Zolgad. Here's the difference between Judd and me. <laughs> I'm a pessimist because it's fun. He's a pessimist because he's serious. <laughs> yeah, <right>. He <laughs> believes it. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. I want just like this. All
1: right. Mackie and Judd, uh, Jamal Crawford to to join us soon as we are uh, broadcasting uh, from the Skyway here. Wolves uh, to play the San Antonio Spurs tonight. You know what, Phil? I've been thinking about the fact that we've been getting, for three days now, a lot of folks saying, would you guys quit talking about the quarterbacks and quit making this a, a controversy? What none of us have sat down and appreciated is this. Buffalo benched Tyrod Taylor this morning. For some guy I've never heard of before. He played at Syracuse. I looked him up. He was Nate, like a sixth-round uh,
0: pick. Nate Peterson or something? or Peterman. Nathan P- Peterman. 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 Peterman,
1: okay. Peterman. The, the point being. Peterman. The point Another being, pick six. The point being, I think we all need, including us possibly, we all need to take a step back and understand. This is a luxury conversation that we've been having now for two weeks. Bridgewater, Keenum's played well. Ordinarily in Vikings history, in, the, in, in Vikings lore, Sam Bradford would have come in after week one with a sore knee, and you would say, they're bleeped. Case Keenum, who would have been code for? Sean Hill, or Spurgeon Wynn, or Kelly Holcomb, or Brooks Bollinger. And you would have said, oh my gosh, this is, and right now the Vikings would be falling apart and their QB situation would be a complete mess. So I do think we need to stop and appreciate the fact that all these conversations that we've had this week about should should they make the change, we think they will make the change, is also based on the fact that there's a luxury involved here. You've got a quarterback who's playing well. You've got a coordinator who seems to be doing a very good job of working with that quarterback. And you have a potential franchise QB, maybe, who could step in. You don't have this morning an announcement from Winter Park that Nathan Peterman is going to start because your draft pick Tyrod Taylor is so yeah. bad.
0: Well, I and I took I guess I take some of these questions in a, in a different way too. Like, why won't you get? We had we had an email yesterday. I'm so sick of hearing about the quarterback discussion. And which I mean, it's sort of like uh, what's up, John Thomas walking by here at Target Center. Um, I'm so sick of, of hearing about the quarterback discussion. Why don't you guys talk about something else, like? Like, Kai Forbath is making field goals. Yeah, he moved the hash mark. Well, take your calls, 651-646-8255. Should Kai Forbath kick from the left hash mark or the right hash mark? He's moved from the,
1: yeah. I mean, I think
0: the fact that the, the Vikings are the number one show in town from a sports standpoint, when they're humming along like this, and it happens about once every decade, where they're giving you a Super Bowl contending team here. And then there's a built-in storyline within the success that's sort of divisive and fans are split, and it's interesting, and it's and it's sort of built-in drama that's not media manufactured. The head coach, week to week, is telling you, I have a plan. I don't know who the starting quarterback's going to be. It's interesting. So yes. if you're wondering, well, why are, why are these guys? I mean, it's interesting to us. It's interesting to the majority of the audience, and it's interesting to the people
1: at Winter Park as well. And my point is, though, enjoy it. As of right now, you have no quarterback signed for next year, okay? So enjoy this. Enjoy the fact that you went from your first choice in Bradford who went down after one game which could have been catastrophic and it wasn't to the backup quarterback and now there's a third guy. You've got you've got three guys and you're not bummed about any of them. Mm-hmm. Think about the last time that the Vikings had one quarterback who you were encouraged by. Yeah.
0: It is. I mean, obviously. It's like, a luxury to have this conversation. case Keenum gets benched for Bridgewater and then Bridgewater uh, you know sure. something Vikings happens. But he, all right, here's here's another question for you. So this is the once every 10 years 98 Super Bowl caliber team uh, 2009 Super Bowl caliber team and now I think we agree that this is headed toward potential Super Bowl caliber team and a tough NFC what makes you think or is there anything that makes you think that this year could be different than the other heartbreaking years <laughs> soul crushing years sounds is there like anything a, that, gives that you, sounds like a Judd question and I can't believe I'm asking you this because gonna say, your, your answer is going to be Buzz like, Killington but is there anything that, would, that would, would or should give you optimism compared to the other years I'll give you one. Like this is the best defense we've seen probably in my lifetime. Born in the mid '80s. Yes. So that this defense isn't just like one-dimensional, good at stopping the run, but
1: gets shredded in, in the air. Yes. This is an all-encompassing great defense. That was gonna. That would be my top one. Is that this is not a good defense. This is a potentially great one. And and if you have the core guys stay on the field, you're really really good there. And that also means that you can win ugly games. That also means that that you can that your offense can function okay to poorly and you can still win games. That means that you could potentially win playoff games. Uh, the other thing that I really like uh, that, that I brought up on, on the show today was the fact this offense makes sense. I love the fact that you're watching an offense that forget the names of the players, but for what they do well, it makes perfect sense to me. I can't tell you how long it's been. When I was watching Musgrave and Norv too, but when you were watching those offenses and Childress, and you said to yourself, "Hold on a second, this this doesn't this this puzzle doesn't fit. This doesn't make sense." I can't think of one case this year where I looked at a play or I looked at a series and said that was really stupid. They've not all been successful, but they all make sense. Well, I'll throw another uh, another item on the list here of. Reasons why this
0: year might be different than the heartbreak years, '98. not guaranteed to be different, but why it might be different. The NFC, some of the traditional top quarterbacks or top contenders aren't really in it or are completely out of it. The New York Giants with Eli Manning have won Super Bowls the past 10 years, right? Like they're out of it. Mm -hmm. Aaron Rodgers, until the Packers... At least win a few games to get him back in the mix fully. Save the day could happen, but right now the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, take him out of the mix. Yeah, even the Seahawks probably still going to go to the playoffs, but Richard Sherman's out for the year. With him out, that's not the same team. Philadelphia, St. Louis, and, and the Saints. Yep. So you know Drew Brees and the Saints. That's definitely a team to fear, especially if that defense is playing well. But you don't have the same list of teams and quarterbacks to jump over that maybe you did in the past.
1: Even like the Arizona Cardinals, that's not the same team that it was several years ago. I would be hesitant to dismiss the Vikings if um, Griffin, Joseph, Barr, Kendrick, Smith, and Rhodes all continue to play. If those guys stay on the field, I would be, because those six players give you a defense that can stop any quarterback. Potentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you get Goff on a great day, they could stop him. Breeze, same thing. Went, same thing. So, based on those six players, and that's why the only thing the, only thing the offense has to do is be good enough. The offense doesn't need to be great. If you keep those six guys healthy and on the field consistently... Mm-hmm you're going to be in decent shape.
0: You know, then again, like if you run through the NFC and you and you play the home Super Bowl and it's, it's this amazing spectacle and then you face Tom Brady, well, the yeah, you'll face in the Belichick and the Super Bowl. And it'll and then, be over. But
1: hey, it'll be like, fun. It'll
0: be your fifth Super Bowl loss. And that would be like, that's a classic Vikings thing that hasn't happened in 40 years <laughs> where you not, get there. I'm just saying. Like, just, why just saying, are you
1: doing this to people? Just it's my job. <laughs> uh,
0: so let's take a quick break here. We're waiting for shoot-around to end because we're going to be joined by Jamal Crawford here sometime shortly. Mike Golick Jr. will come on around 1215. And if you missed the Paul Mother interview from the nine o'clock hour, it was it was pretty good stuff. And we'll re-air that around 1230. It's Mackie and Judd, downtown Minneapolis, Skyway broadcast booth just outside Target Center.
2: Mackie and Judd are back.
3: Put down the sports page and listen. On
2: 1500 ESPN.
0: And Mackie and Judd, downtown Minneapolis today, hanging out Target Center, Spurs and Wolves. Wolves are eight and five. I think that's still tied for third in the Western Conference right now. Houston and Golden State. I just I was looking up yesterday, just a little Wolves nugget for you as we wait for Jamal Crawford to be done with uh, his shoot around. I was looking up yesterday, just like offensive efficiencies and how teams are scoring and. Uh, the Timberwolves are actually ninth in the NBA in offensive efficiency, so points per 100 possessions. Mm-hmm. And they're not a great three-point shooting team. They're doing it mostly from like 10 feet and in. So it's not even, they're not taking a ton of those mid-ranger, those 15 to 20. They're taking the majority of their shots from like point blank or in the paint, kind of that range, which I don't hate that. If you can be efficient doing that, I'm fine with that. The Houston Rockets, I want to say I'm getting this right. Something absurd, like 50 to 58% of their
1: shots are threes. Yes, that's all they do. Well, we we saw that shot chart last year where every Rocket shot was either essentially underneath the basket or it was from three-point range. It's so ridiculous.
0: I mean, obviously it's working to some extent because they've been one of the best teams in the Western Conference the past couple years, but... I thought that was funny. The Wolves are on the low end. They're bottom 3 in 3-pointers attempted. And that is one of the things that, you know, JJ Redick was out there. Could they have could they have found somebody to to sit over there and, right. and, and snipe in the threes. corner? No, they've got w- between Jimmy Butler and Jamal Crawford and Andrew Wiggins, guys who can hit threes and get hot for a few games but who aren't always going to be there consistently 45-50% make rates, you know.
1: So is that the one thing that if you could go out and get uh, someone in a trade as the season progressed? Is that the one spot, a three-point shooter? Um,
0: Yeah, probably. I, I'd have to think more about that, I guess, but probably. Now, B. Elites has been one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA so
1: far. He looks like a different player this year to me.
0: Yeah, there's a confidence factor, and I'm i mean, I'm excited to talk to, uh, to Crawford about this. I think just having Jamal Crawford with that second unit who on that second unit last year instilled confidence in anyone? Whether it was a coach, a fan, <laughs> hold or, on, hold if on, you about this. Like really, I mean, Shabazz Muhammad was the most assertive player off the bench last year, but
1: I like to shoot, yeah.
0: But it wasn't. I, I think just going out there and knowing that okay, there's a dude who's been in the league for a long time who knows what he's the doing. The answer was no one. Yes, right. And we can kind of you're we can right. kind of follow him around. Uh, I did find this nugget here. All right, they have on on Basketball Reference so percentage of your field goal attempts that are from each distance. Mm-hmm. So the Dallas Mavericks and the Golden State Warriors are very three-point heavy. In fact, let's use the Warriors as an example. They're very three-point heavy. Historically great three-point shooting team. 38% of their shot attempts come from three, which is a huge number. When you're talking more than one in every three shot attempts is from beyond the arc, that's a huge number. The Rockets are 54%. 54% of their shot attempts are coming from beyond the three-point range.
1: Does does Harden shoot any twos whatsoever these days? Does James <laughs> only Harden on even only when his foot's on the line just or when by it's accident? A layup? Yeah,
0: that's about it. Uh, so to, to take that a step further, the Houston Rockets are taking eighty four percent of their shots mm-hmm. from three or point blank, so from zero to three feet. Yes, eighty percent of that was, I'm, I'm sorry, 84 five uh, percent of their shot attempts that was are coming last year too, right? blank. I don't think it was that aggressive. Okay,
1: I thought it was equally as aggressive last year. That they just don't they don't shoot mid range twos. Yeah, but if they you, purposely just go back and shoot a three if they're if they're even close to the line. And so I mean, but if you go in and you can't,
0: so are they as fun to watch? I don't know. Like I, that takes away a whole art of Which, the game that was there for a long time. But it it would be the most efficient places to shoot from.
1: What changes or what change in sports, baseball? Basketball, blah blah blah. Which one do you like the most? Which sport do you think is? Which sport do you think has evolved in the most productive way? NBA like, is, Give me a deadline because I think adding a line to the NBA. No 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 no. I'm talking about now though. And NBA three point shooting is way up, um, and it's also become a positionless game. Yeah. So true. I'm just saying there's so many different ways yeah. that sports are changing. Hey, right Jamal now. Crawford uh, hi, Jamal. in the hi, house
0: hi. here. Let's turn let's turn, let's just go. bring him into the segment. We were just going I'm going through uh by the way I'm Phil Mackey that's Judd Zolgat. Good to meet you. Nice
3: to meet you guys as well. Uh,
0: I know that our guy Doogie bothers you all the time and gets you on his podcast but uh <laughs> regular but, glad to scoop. have you in here. Yeah, so you. we're going through just like the evolution of the NBA okay. and I've got Basketball Reference open right now. Uh-oh. The Houston the Houston Rockets take 85% of their shots from
3: either three or or, or mm. point-blank range. Yeah, Isn't that insane? That is insane. Uh, For me, obviously watching the game evolve, uh, when I first came in, it was more isolation. It was more, you know, you get to your dominant guy back to the basket. You get to your dominant wing score. And you kind of just watch him do his thing and let him create mismatches. Uh, Now it's a totally different game. They're obviously shooting more threes. They're getting more layups. And and that's kind of the way the game is going. Do, Do you like the game more now than when you came into the league, Jamal? It's a more free-flowing game, for sure. I think it's it's more fun aesthetically for the fans to watch. You know, it's a faster pace. It's getting up and down. There are a lot of threes going. Uh, so, it's fun. When did it start to
1: change drastically in in your mind? And and was there a team or two be behind it that you thought, that yeah. when, when you played against them, you said, okay, this is going to change the, the way this game is played in the entire league? The, the Suns. See,
3: I was about to say Phoenix. Yeah, Phoenix was the team. They were the team who were... With Nash, he was getting. remember, he used to like walk in. People were so scared of three points. He used to walk in for layups, wrong yes. foot. He was just practicing. They, they would out there. forget to guard him because yes. it's like, oh, Quentin Richardson's over here. Over oh, here. Joe Johnson's over here. Rajah Bill's over here. So it, they kind of brought it in. But at the time, I don't know if you guys remember, people didn't think you could win like that. They were like, no team can win a championship being a jump shooting team. Yeah, You know, and then the Warriors kind of broke that mode of it. So. And you played for the
0: Don, for, for one one or two years, one the, the year, Don, Don Nelson kind of running on Warriors, right? 20 points. Yeah.
3: Literally like four guys averaged mm-hmm. twenty and they were all guards, so it was crazy. <laughs> were you on that eight seed playoff team or was that a no, different year? Uh, that's I was in transition with their team. That was after the We Believe year with Golden State. This is when Monte came back from moped in- injury and yep. this is that time. Yeah.
1: When when did you uh first start to think that, that Golden State was special? I mean, when when they started to gel, but yeah. when when did you say, Wow, this is gonna be a really good team?
3: It happened fast because we played them in the playoffs. In 2013, I believe. With the Clippers, right? Yeah, and we beat them in the playoffs. And you knew they were good. You're like, they're young. But you didn't know if they ever really, like, figure it out. And that next year, they figured it out, you know, and they figured it out fast. So, uh, kudos to them. I thought Mark Jackson uh, was kind of the, the orchestrator of getting things really rolling. Mm-hmm. Remember at a time, he said, Steph and Claire are the two best shooters ever. Everybody was like, are you serious? There's no way, you know. But Look at the numbers. time. Yeah, right now as time has gone on. He was on to something.
0: Uh, Jamal Crawford's hanging out with us here. Mackie and Judd at Target Center. Can I ask you something? You can ask me I, anything. I look at you and Tom Brady. He's a little older than you are. And I say, those guys look like they're 23 years old still. are and we, you, played, are we you... went to school together. Uh, Michigan,
3: yeah. Yeah, that's yeah right. Yeah. Did you guys know each other? Yeah, okay. we had a training table together every single day. So when I say training table, we ate dinner together every day, basketball and football.
0: Are you like him where you
3: you don't even eat like like a strawberry would be a cheat day for no, you? No, 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 no. I'm not like him. He's He's... He's figured something else out. I haven't got to that point yet. I've changed my diet uh, drastically, and I didn't even know I was changing it. My wife was changing it on me. <laughs> my Capri Suns left. My water popped in. I'm like, okay. Uh, cheesecake Factory left, and then here comes Whole Foods. So I start it started changing on me before I What would you know. give
0: us, like, uh, give us, like, three tips for the average person to look like they're still in their mid-20s when they're almost 40? Like, what are some uh, simple things that people can do? I would
3: say not to stress, drink a lot of water, and I think staying active. I'm in big trouble, Jamal. Yeah, see, I'm so, in big trouble. So stress
0: yeah. a lot, drink beer, and be <laughs> see all this eccentric. gray hair, that's, Jamal. That's the, that <laughs> is what I'm not
1: saying. To see do. all this gray hair? I think I'm past the point of being helped. Yeah, now you're good.
3: It's just, I mean, I think sometimes I think age is a, a mindset. I think sometimes we age ourselves, and I say that because. You know, you're know you almost 40, so you have a reason. You know what? I won't go work out today because I'm almost 40. I, you know, but I think it's the opposite. If you stay in love with whatever you're doing, you're active, then you stay young. Did you think Tom Brady was going to be the greatest quarterback of all time when you guys were at Michigan? No, but a funny story. Our basketball team manager grew up with him. And before he was even playing, because at the time, remember Drew Henson? Oh, like yeah, he was, yeah. He was drafted by the Yankees. He had a yeah. lot of hype around, around campus. So at the time, uh, he was starting. And our basketball manager was like, I'm telling you, if they play Tom, if they just play Tom, he'll, he'll help them win. And he would have a good game here and there, but they didn't really trust him. Drew had all the, the shots to kind of succeed. Before you know it, six-round pick, and now the rest is history. You know, I, had, I,
0: I did a, a, a baseball podcast like two summers ago called Hardball Society. and We had a longtime MLB scout that went back to like the 70s telling all these stories. And he said he was scouting Tom Tom Brady as a baseball player out of high school. I think it was yeah. in like the mid 1990s. Yeah. And he walked. I've told Judd this story. He walked into Tom Brady's family's living room trying to get him to 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 commit to sign out of high school to go into a minor league system. And he said, "Your kid would be insane if he chose football
3: over baseball." <laughs> and then and then he went on to
0: say, I, I, "I'm just I I think too I'm bad insane, he didn't sign right? the letter of intent that I could have his autograph." <laughs> you know ne- 20 years later,
3: never seen his greatness, and he's he's unbelievable to see how his career has unfolded. To see. Uh, how, how special he is in those pressure moments. It's, it's been fun to watch. How did they not play Tom, though? I mean, Drew Henson's a nice player. Don't, yeah. don't get, get me wrong. But when you
1: look back in retrospect among sports, potential sports mistakes, not playing Tom at Michigan might be up there. Drew. It's
3: definitely up there. But I think also when you think about it, right, if you go down to the bones of it, like you're going to a campus, obviously Drew Henson – he has a lot of electricity with his name. Absolutly. By the Yankees, not just any team. The Yankees. Yep. You know, he was a high recruiting football the third base. Fans man. are get excited. They kind of want to see him. They want to see him first, and that's just kind of the way it went. And kudos to Tom, and no shot at Drew whatsoever. But kudos to Tom as well for the way he handled it. And you know, because he knew deep down, you know, you know that there's greatness in there, especially yourself. He sure. knew it, and he believed it, and he stayed at it.
1: Ten plus games in. Have have you ever played for a coach who is as vocal as Tibbs on Monday night? The entire broadcast you could hear too. It he was like part of the broadcast. Yeah, they had a boom was mic on there. The, I was like, the, ah. the gutter all from Tibbs <laughs> was going in full blast on Monday night.
3: Yeah, he's he's different in a lot of different ways as far how, as how prepared he is. I've never seen a coach. I've had eighteen coaches. I've never seen a coach as prepared. Uh, he, I joke with him like, did you see that game? And he said I had five TVs going. And thinking back, I believe him. He was watch, He watches every game. He watches every like across the league. Yeah, across the league. Like every single game, he could tell you about. What happened at the 242 mark of this particular game? So it's it's genius and it's crazy and it's all those things. But I think that's what makes him special as a coach.
0: How do you feel about? So you guys are eight and five right now. And I, we before the season started, we were just trying to even even caution fans. You look at some when the Miami Heat put that LeBron Wade team together yeah. seven years ago, it, they were 500 in December. Yeah. Uh, the Wolves from 15 years ago when Latrell and Sprewell came in here, they were nine and eight or something on December yeah. 10th. Uh, you guys are eight and five. There's been some clunky games. There's been some some good stuff.
3: What's your evaluation overall of where you guys stand here? Uh, we're a work in progress. I think there'll be good moments. There'll be moments that aren't so good, and that's just the reality of it. We're like you said, we we put a, a lot of key cogs together. So sometimes we're going through things for the first time, a situation maybe for the first time, but we're doing it in front of twenty thousand people with a shortened, you know, preseason, right. only playing a few preseason games and. You know, some of those things that we're going through the first time, so it may look good, it may not. But for us, uh, there's an end goal to it, and we want to continue to work towards that, and I think we will. You know, we'll be a totally different team the second half of the season than we are even now.
1: How long, um, realistically, will it take defensively, too? Because there's already this fan impatience about Tibbs' system doesn't work, and you see the Phoenix game went south, and that's... How long, as a player who's been in, in this league for a long time, do you look at what Tibbs is trying to get you um, and, and also some young guys to do and realistically say, hold on a second, this is going to take 15 games, 25 I'm games? I'm not
3: sure you can put a number on it, to be honest. I think uh, I honestly think trust is built on defense, knowing that if you get beat, somebody's going to cover you, and if somebody gets beat, somebody's going to cover that guy. So that's the way the trust part comes in. You know? And like you said, we just all met each other here. Are really been around each other for a month or so you know so i think as the season goes on we'll get more and more trusted that I mean, and you don't want to let your teammate down you know because we're all connected now in the nba it's hard for any one guy just to stop one guy you know he can make things difficult but he has to see a wall of, of guys around him and see a team kind of defense and when we all start trusting each other even more on that end, we'll go to another level. Are you
0: gonna prank Zach Levine back on Kim? Absolutely. Can you share any plans with
3: us? No, or is I it cannot. all very secret? I can't. It's very secretive. <laughs> okay. Uh to be all the way honest with you, I don't have the exact plan, but I have some things rolling around in uh for for us. We're gonna get him back. It could be a year from now. It has to be when he least expected. I think you wait like ten years. Wait yeah, like, wait about ten years. Maybe. Yeah. That's absolutely correct, though. I love that. Yeah. It has to it can't be like right now. He's just even the score
1: guard. and do it in the
3: best way possible. No, and the that's world's when gonna, gonna see it like they did with me. Yeah. Without a doubt. In ten years you might that. still be in the NBA too. It wouldn't shock me. <laughs> <laughs> I made a promise to my son, so it won't be ten years. It'll be before that for sure.
0: You and Tom Brady till you're 45, and you're raising the bar on uh, your sports. That uh, would be that would be legendary. Thanks for coming up. Thanks for having Jamal me. Crawford, awesome man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Thank we'll you come back nice with you. more. It's Mackie and Judd from Target Center. Appreciate it. Thank
2: you. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. And now for the main event on 1500 ESPN. Yeah, right.
0: No, I think I just had a. <laughs> Did little, you have a little football episode there? I'm Did not you sure have a football that episode? Uh, before we
1: get into our weekly quarterback cesspool challenge, Mike Zimmer with an announcement today at Winter Park. Yes, he made it official that Case Keenum will indeed start on Sunday against the Rams. So for at least one more week, the intrigue of Case or Teddy has been put to bed.
0: So there it is. Uh, so he was just clowning everyone a couple days ago. He knew that Case Keenum th- four touchdown passes. Probably not as good as everyone uh, wants to make it out, but uh, Case Keenum another week. Yes, against the Rams. Yes, I'm just uh, posting a little, doing a little gram in here, a little Instagram in Jamal Crawford with his life advice for looking like you're still 23 when you're really almost 40. How good is he? Don't stress, drink water, and be active. All things that neither of us. Oh, do Oh, I was going to say I'm a lost cause. Yeah. I am a definite lost cause. Yeah, I drink water.
1: I guess I drink water. I, drink I do water. some of that, but probably not
0: enough. Do you, uh, if you had a pie chart of things you drink. Pie chart of things you drink. What
1: would Actually, that look you know like? what my downfall is? The pie chart, the biggest piece is is a soda pop.
0: So Diet I, Coke. I drink coffee, way, beer, yes. and then water in
1: that ranking. Uh, yeah, probably. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes, coffee. Coffee and Diet Coke probably take up the, the majority of the chart. Yeah. And then I got some beer and yeah, a little sliver of bottled water. Sure.
0: All right, every week we celebrate the bad quarterback play in the NFL. Now, there's some good. There's the Tom Brady's and the Drew Breezes and the Case Keenum's of the world, but there's a lot of bad as well. And so our goal every week on this show, we have a little game called the Quarterback Cesspool Challenge where we, we A, highlight the bad quarterbacks each week, which we will, and then B, we try to pick and pinpoint which quarterbacks are going to be miserable the upcoming week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we can't pick the same quarterback twice. Mm-hmm. So let's start with celebrating week 10's worst performances with an NFC North familiar face.
2: This is it right here. You have any hopes of still pulling this thing out in the fourth down and 10. And it's Cunningham. And he will flip to a teammate and short of the first down.
0: Uh, that was Mitchell Trubisky against the Green Bay Packers. Miserable, dink and dunk. My Week 7 guy. Loss. I miss yep. him. I yep. miss
1: him. I wish I could have him again.
0: According to NFL's QBR stat, he was the third worst of the week. This guy was even worse.
2: Slot right. Tight to the new side, Left Jackson. Play action. It's Patrick. Looks over the middle. Fires one deep towards the goal line. And it is intercepted at the 5-yard line. Jumping in front is Darryl Roberts. And he gets the takeaway.
0: Ryan Fitzpatrick, no stranger to interceptions. He went 17 of 34, and through just one of them, a lot of dink and dunk and a lot of misfiring from Ryan Fitzpatrick, who has led the NFL in interceptions at least a couple times, I believe. And
1: I will take him before the season
0: is done. I have not taken him yet. And the number one worst quarterback performance of Week 10, Dave Harrigan.
2: Second 19 for the secondary, winding up, looking for Anderson, and it
1: is picked off. Off on the play by Krames, His second pick of the season and takes
2: it down to the New York
0: 31 It came in the same game. Josh McCown, quarterback for the Jets, with a paltry 23.8 QBR. So, gentlemen, that brings us to this week's challenge. Uh, we have, oh, by the way, uh, Judd was the loser of last week. You rode the CJ Bethard train. What happened? But he was magnificent, leading the Niners to their first win of the season.
1: Why on earth? What? Why did it? He get inspired to play a good game because it was the Giants. Well, it had to happen. I guess that was point. my mistake. Yeah.
0: So right now, uh, whenever one of us loses, we uh, we offer up a slap on the back of the hand punishment. Dave Harrigan was Ric Flair on command. He's We've going. had Judd sing the national anthem. I have gone through Edward Kombucha hands. So right now, I'm on the hook for two punishments. Judd's on the hook for one, and we're going to complete at least two of them before the end of the week. So let's get into our picks, gentlemen, starting with Judd Zolgad, the number one pick in Week
1: 11. This came very late, driven by the news that we found out early this morning, but with the top pick, I am going with Nathan Peterman against the Chargers.
2: Nathan Peterman! Um, Nathan. Uh, who's Na- Somebody Google him. Yeah. The Bills. Yeah. Okay. Nathan Peterman plays for the Bills. That's all I got on him. That's all. That's my guy. Mel, Mel Kuyper doesn't
0: know anything about Nathan Peterman. I'm not sure if. His teammates know who he is. I'm looking for him to
1: deliver a performance that's as good as what Dave gave us on Nathan Peterman. (laughs)
0: Uh, Dave Harrigan with the second selection in the Week 11 Quarterback Cesspool Challenge.
2: Judd said he's going to take him before the year is out. Well, I'm not going to waste any time. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick. A little bit surprising he hasn't been picked yet as a cesspool quarterback having started for a few weeks this past weekend taking on the jets in tampa he was uh, well he's never been any good and that continued 17 of 34 he did throw a touchdown pass but also a pretty ugly interception his bucks got the win but muster just 15 points and this week a bit of a tougher test he takes his Buccaneers across the state to take on the Dolphins in Miami. He's a smart guy. He went to Harvard, but I would say the smart choice is a cesspool pick. This guy is likely to be as mediocre and terrible as he's always been. He keeps getting chances, though. <laughs> he Brian does. Patrick keeps getting chances.
0: God
1: bless the quarterback position.
0: Uh, and then I uh, rounded out here with the third overall pick in the Week Eleven quarterback cesspool challenge. He's questionable to play this week. If he does get on the field, he'll be doubtful to perform well.
2: Deshaun Kaiser. Deshaun Kaiser. Wow, week in and week out, this guy looks like a great cesspool pick. It hasn't always turned out that way, as we learned a few weeks ago against the Vikings. However, this week he looks like a very good choice. His Cleveland Browns do return home after a loss to the Lions, yes, another loss. And while they're at home, they do have to take out what could be the most fierce passing defense in the National Football League. That big, the Jacksonville Jaguars look for Deshaun Kaiser to throw up maybe two, perhaps even three interceptions. He looks like a lot for Seth Pool Gold. Man, opportunity
0: knocking two weeks in a row. I had Tom Savage on the road against the Rams this last week. That yeah. was a gimme. Yeah,
1: that was. And a good now one.
0: Deshaun Kaiser, a layup if he plays on the road against the Jaguars.
1: Man, is there some crap out there starting a quarterback? There, there's, there's more too. Like, I there's know just, there is there's more. This is going to be easy to get through 16 weeks and never feel truly bad about your pick because yes. you never think that player is going to be any good.
0: Mackie and Judd were hanging out downtown Minneapolis. Jamal Crawford was awesome. If you missed any of our show today, you're going to want to go back and find it on demand. But we still have over an hour to go, including Mike Golick Jr. We'll replay the Paul Molitor interview. Mackie and Judd from Target Center.
2: Phil Mackie, Judd Zogad. I'm trying to get our players to listen to me instead of listening to you guys. Mackie and Judd. It's like poison. You know what I mean? It's like taking poison. On 1500 ESPN. Now up for grabs on 1500 ESPN Rewards. A four-pack of tickets to the 2017 Prep Bowl at U.S. Bank Stadium, courtesy of 45TV. Head to 1500ESPN.com. Click on the stream player to find out how you can win.
0: Mackie and Judd, downtown Minneapolis at Target Center until 1 o'clock today. Still going to talk to Mike Golick Jr., in about a half hour from now, you know I feel liberated today, Judd. Why is that? I feel uh, very free-minded today. Uh huh. I'm glad I went public yesterday. Mm-hmm. Glad I went public with it. Uh, I didn't realize how many other people have been suffering in silence over these past several years. The fellow victims of Ricey Twitter blockage is what I'm talking about.
1: You weren't aware when when you guys worked together at that time of him blocking people left. and I have have actively seen him blocking people.
0: I knew that he blocked people on a semi-regular basis. Yes. I didn't realize when I told my story to the Twitter audience about, listen, all we do on this show is hold people accountable. We hold each other accountable. We have a segment on Fridays called The Accountability Session, in which we point out the swings and the misses, along with the hits of each prediction from the week. Mm-hmm. And I merely took the accountability session to the Twitter platform and found a few, I don't know, ten, tweets from Patrick Royce denigrating Richard Pitino. And Reavers. Calling for his head, Chris Reavers. Yeah, from a couple of years and ago. I yeah. merely yeah. held Royce accountable yeah. for his incorrect assessment of Richard Petino throughout the years. And he decided to block me on Twitter. An eight-year, long-time close friend decides to block... Or if you ask him, maybe six months, a year? Yeah, something like the that. The show lasted how long? Yeah. And, and Well, he says six months. <laughs> he it was more show, like four years. He thought
1: the show lasted maybe and a year. And the
0: outpouring of support yep. from other people who've been blocked by Patrick. Yep. I've received no fewer than a hundred messages from others who Patrick has inexplicably and knee-jerk reaction blocked on the most popular social media platform that we operate on.
1: How many um, notes have you gotten from people? Because I've probably gotten 10 saying, tell Roycey to unblock me. I have no idea All the time. what I did wrong. All the time. But he so was blocking did... people for, if they brought up the removal of the target field trees, he was blocking people. It didn't yeah. take a lot to get you blocked.
0: Basically, if you tweeted about target field trees, Duke, rowing the boat, and a list of like eight or 10 other things, uh, you're blocked. So what I've done is I've, Put together from my followers a group of people, a committee, if you will. If I want to reach Patrick on Twitter, I can send out a tweet and then have people in my committee who haven't been blocked. They can relay the message or the question, and then maybe Pat can get back to
1: me. Aren't you going to miss though just a little bit the greatest trolling tweets out there? I mean, for a seventy-two-year-old man, nobody trolls better. Aren't you just going to sort of, well, you know? To be
0: honest, Judd, I think I've taken that crown from him. Okay. If you if you troll for a living and then block those who troll you, I yep. think you give up the crown. I think Patrick Royce has all, to give up the agitator crown.
1: All I He's know too thin-skinned. is that when things are falling apart for a local team, there's nobody who trolls like Patrick Royce.
0: Well, here's what we should do. With the help of Dave Harrigan here, let's put a poll up, 1500 ESPN Twitter account. Have you been blocked on Twitter by Patrick Royce? Let's see what percentage of people who are out there voting, listening... Searching around Twitter, let's see what percentage of the masses have been blocked by Patrick on Twitter. Let's just make it simple. Okay. You guys agree on that? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, have Absolutely. you been blocked by Patrick Royce on Twitter? All right. I venture to say it's at least half of the Twitterverse. 50% or more. Well,
1: sports fans, Why the problem is that he, tro- he trolls and he is humorous about it on Twitter, and then people respond back and he blocks them because he doesn't like the responses. The trees, the trees at Target Field is where I knew that a lot of people, unnecessarily probably victims of blocking, were really in trouble. Because they thought, oh, I'm gonna be funny back. And they just blocked them. That's the thing.
0: Like, if you tell a joke, if you're like in on it with Patrick and you tell a joke about the trees, he misinterprets it and then blocks you anyways. Yes. Or doesn't misinterpret or he and blocks you anyway. He
1: interprets it, he doesn't think you were funny. He was being funny, so he blocks you because he doesn't think you're funny. Well, I told him
0: face-to-face yesterday, uh, I believe you were in the room. I said, I'm blocking you in person, so
1: I will no longer be communicating in person. It's going to be very Lashby. interesting. Yeah. So you're just going to walk by him every day now? You're not going to talk to him in the prep room, outside, by the couches of the studio? Nothing? When he calls me, I'm going to pick up the phone, and I'm just going to remain silent.
0: Like with the phone off to the side. I think he's so he, can, you, he can still talk to me, but I will be blocking I him in think
1: person. that Patrick has given you a gift, and that is the gift. So that I don't have to listen to his negativity <laughs> anymore? That yeah, is, I think you're right. That is the gift. <laughs> well, if that's the case, then. Okay, can you block me too? Corzo's going to have to be next. Corzo's way worse than me.
0: Yeah, but I think it's just basketball for him.
1: He's like really high like, on Case Keenum, and he's
0: really high in these other I was areas. Say,
1: I say, I would guess if the Vikings go south, he would, he would also be really upset about that. Yeah.
0: Actually, uh, Scott Korzanowski is the poster boy right now for overreacting, take a deep breath, breathe into a brown paper bag, nervous wolves fan. Corzo, well, I love you. Love your show. You gotta give it five wants, minutes. He wants
1: Tibbs fired I know, today. I know. He wants to fired this morning. I know.
0: It's, well, I do agree with him on Wiggins that Wiggins is still like Wiggins is still kind of the same player that he's been the last few years. And well, he's still young, he's well at one point do you take another step. He has been a little more active defensively, but like the guy still takes dumb 22-foot shots. And sure, but he also just
1: got paid, so it's not going away.
0: Uh, let's, let's check the early results here on the poll. Have you been blocked? 1500 ESPN Twitter. Have you been blocked by at 1500 ESPN Royce? Uh Early results are in. Oh, 40% say yes. 40% so far say yes. They've been blocked I by feel, Patrick.
1: I feel bad now because I'm not blocked. <laughs> what have I done wrong? Why am I not blocked? God.
0: I mean he'd have about a hundred thousand followers oh, if, he, I know. if he wasn't so thin skinned. Yes, he just goes through and blocks people. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I think he's more mad that I put him and Chris Reavers in the same sentence. That, uh, was, go pretty, that was pretty low. Mm.
1: I'm just saying. That was pretty, pretty low. And you you did it out of out of spite two years post haste. I mean, you're you did it out you did it to spite them to expose well, them. Well, you don't get to hide from those horrible takes. You did it to expose them. Not on this them. show. And it was successful. But I think you're right. I think his biggest... I think Patrick's biggest problem was the fact that you lumped him and Chris together. And then this morning, you you go after Suhan, so now you're attacking the sports columnist here. Where's it going to end?
0: Listen, not everyone can be as thick-skinned as Phil Mackey, Judd old Okay, (laughs) Not everyone can have can have Don't forget mi- this
1: Dave. Michelin. Don't forget a Harrigan. Skin. Don't forget like this. Phil <laughs> Don't forget this moment Dave Harrigan. Oh, I've marked it down in my head already. <laughs> Excellent. The biggest BS ever spoken on this show. And
2: we've had Judd on it for
0: years. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, that's true. No, no, I will go along with everything you just said. I just want you to have this marked down.
0: Uh Dave, what kind of questions are you going to hurl our way
2: next? They are going to be great questions. The best questions <laughs> everybody loves no
1: these one questions. No
0: one has ever asked better questions. All right, Mackie and Judd from Target Center.